0: Two pitch. Swing and a bed. Chuck him out. The Philadelphia
1: Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball.
0: Wednesday, March 1st, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by ShopForKisses.org, the online shopping network of the Kisses for Kyle Foundation. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chesko. And Chet, welcome back from a much-needed week off, And uh, but there's no rest tonight. We are loaded up again. We've got 4 trade deadline moves to talk about, some interesting Sixers trades last week. The Eagles staff is at the Combine as well, and that's not all.
2: Yeah, we got a couple of great guests on the show this week, Liberty Ballers, Sixers reporter Jake Pavorsky, and in just a moment, the guy known to many as El Wingador, five-time Wing Bowl champion Bill Simmons. So we have a full show for sure.
0: All right. Well, hey, Jeff, before we get started, we want to welcome both of our new sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House and Lou Rowe, Taylor & Heather, to Philly Press Box Radio for the Irish Rover Station House. It's their first time tonight.
2: So yeah, yes, indeed. Fine, just, fine clothing from Lula Road Taylor and Heather and a great family-friendly bar and restaurant, the Irish Rover in Langhorne, PA. Welcome. Fantastic.
0: Well, hey, let's get this thing rolling, and then welcome El Door Bill Simmons, to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Bill, welcome. Hey, how you doing, guys? How you doing today?
2: Doing all You're right. Great. Bill, this is Chet. Uh, Chet, it's great hey, meeting, uh, great talking to you, Bill, after Wing Bowl last month at Tollman Joe's. Congrats on the new book, Snow on the Barbed Wire, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. But I want to ask you first, right. Bill, in terms of your prowess as a competitive eater, I guess even before your first Wing Bowl title in 1999, where and how did it all begin for you as a great eater?
1: Well, I mean, I talk about it a little bit on the book. Um, my mom told me when I was born Uh, I out-eat all the other babies at St. Joseph's Hospital, Philadelphia. And she
0: thought
1: something something was wrong with me. So back in the 60s, the doctor just said, I think your son was born with two stomachs. Um, You know, there was a lot of gastrobatics going on there. So I started my competitive eating at Children's Hospital in 1961, out-eating all the other babies. (laughs) uh, Were you in another
2: contest Before Wing Bowl, did you get in other contests, other competitive eating stuff?
1: No, I, I just I was just a big eater. I really didn't get into the contest. i never never even heard of Wing Bowl. I didn't get into a Wing Bowl 7. Uh, but, you know, I knew that I had a, some sort of eating disorder because, you know, I come from a, a lot of aunts and uncles, and we used to have big family gatherings. They would say, Bill, um, you know, everybody's getting to the house at 3, you know. I said, okay, so I would get there at 3 o'clock. To, to the picnic or to the party, and here everybody was there at one because they all wanted to eat before I got there. So, <laughs> so they lied to me just so they could get their food in.
0: Oh so, wow! Well. Hey now, Bill, you're uh, you, you've grown into a pretty big fellow, I guess about six foot five, three hundred so pounds or two ninety something like that. Uh, were well, you an I athlete like you. back in the day, or was uh, was your sport eating? Well, no, I.
1: I was a um, I was an avid athlete, man. I played baseball, I played football. Um, I had tryouts with the Phillies when I was nineteen, uh, and at hmm. Atlanta Braves, but you know, I had a rough road growing up as far as high school and stuff like that and girlfriends and wives and early early uh, births and you know, I talk about a lot of the stuff in my book about the choices that I made in my life. You know, I had a I had a, I blew a free ride to Temple and a baseball scholarship and everything really hell. So yeah I was always athletic i was I was a tall, skinny kid. um uh, I just grew into this uh six foot five three ten uh guy that uh, just loved to eat. you know i I just love to eat
0: <laughs> well, hey bill, as a follow up to that uh tell us a little bit about how you actually got involved with the wing bowl i think didn't didn't a friend kind of just come and say, hey, you would do great at this?" Well,
1: I, I mean, he's a friend now. Kevin O'Donnell, the uh, A.K.A. Heavy Kevy, was the two-time undefeated champion of Wing Bowl. He had retired uh, after uh, one of the Wing Bowls, I guess six, and said, "I'm bound to bring, to bring someone to the, bring somebody in that would win this thing." So he asked a friend of mine, which is 420-pound Eddie, my buddy Eddie, 420 pounds. But Eddie says, "I can't eat like that," which I don't know how he got 420 pounds, but he said, but I know someone who does, and that's when Kevin made the phone call to me and said, hey, I hear you eat a lot, and I said, absolutely. I said, oh, do you want to do wing ball? I said, what is that? And he explained it to me, and I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can win that, and he's like, you sound pretty confident. I said, I won't stop eating chicken. I love chicken. So <laughs> um, lo, lo and behold, um, we came up with the name, uh, the Wingador, and uh, because I'm half. I'm half Spanish, my mom is Puerto Rican, my dad is German Irish, so we went with the uh, Wingador theme, and uh, and my my eating stunt to get in the Wing Bowl was the Taco Bell, eight and a half pounds of food of Taco Bell, and I knocked it out in 28 minutes. So, I got me into my first Wing Bowl, um, and I went in my first Wing Bowl and and beat everybody hands down, and it was pretty easy from there. So, that's what the uh, the, uh, Wingador was for.
2: Well, Bill, I've been to, I believe, 10 Wing Bowls between 2000 and this year. So I was there for Wing Bowls 9 and 10 when you won your second and third championships. And it's just a wild event. Do you ever wonder how the heck this thing has grown and survived and prospered since it began in the early 90s? Well,
1: I see two different events now. I mean, it's so different now. It's corporate. Uh, and, then, you know, it's, it's just astronomical numbers that they do on it. And then, and then, you know, they got the eaters from all over the country coming in now, which is my fault, You know, when I was doing TV shows out in, in LA and stuff, I would, I would tell the eaters, hey, come the Wing Bowl. Because I met champions from all over the world, champion eaters from all over the world on a show that I did called the Glut Bowl. And they were all different champions, and they were like, what are you the champion of? I'd say, Chicka oh, That's easy. I said, come off, I'm the Philly. So all these guys started all and girls started coming to Philadelphia. Philadelphia guy people really didn't like that. They wanted to be a Philadelphia thing. But it still is a Philadelphia thing. But now you have outsiders. But I didn't mind it as much because I wanted to be the best. So I wanted to beat the best. And uh, and I started out late. I didn't start eating my competitive eating until thirty seven years old. I'm fifty five now. You know? And uh, you know you're going up against these young people, you know, and it's it's amazing how much competitive
2: eating. It's one of those Hey, let me ask you, when you won your five wing bowl crowns, Bill, the totals were like 113 to 162 wings, whereas in recent years, the champs like Molly Schuyler, Patrick Bartoli, and Notorious B.O.B. have somehow eaten more than 400, which is just nuts. Are the wings smaller now? Or are they easier to chew, or what's the difference?
1: Well, absolutely. They've they're got a different... Um, P.J. Williard is doing the wings now. Angelo wanted the, the count to be higher. So they came in with um, – they're like the like Cornish game head wing. They're real small, which, which is a little tougher for me because I, I have big hands. But, um, you know, I still did okay. I did 91 a couple weeks ago in five minutes. But um, yep. it's, it's the, back then, when I started out, they were big jumbo wings. You know, they were gigantic wings. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difference inside size uh, and texture.
0: Hey, Bill, question for you. Uh, speaking of those wings, uh, I had heard a rumor that when, when you go to eat those things, they're basically ice cold. Is that or, – or certainly not warm. Is that true? And uh, how – can you even taste them?
1: <laughs> well, I tell you, PJ's does a very good job of uh, the beginning of wing bowl, keeping them as warm as they can. At the second half, you eat for 14 minutes. They're pretty warm, but the second 14 minutes, are out sitting. They do get a little bit cold. Um, back in the day, before PJs did them, they were cold, and sometimes they were still raw. Um, they weren't cooked well. I ate a lot of raw wings. Uh, but, uh, they, they, yeah, they're, they're kind of rubbery when they when they get uh, cold. Um, it's kind of hard to strip. But that's when I decided to do the 10-pound uh, tootsie rolls a week, training for it where the, the wing had no choice but to come apart after you got my job because I just <laughs> trained wow. with 10 pounds of food tootsie rolls and Tootsie Roll, and it didn't matter what the texture was. They were going down.
2: Interesting. (laughs) All right, Bill, let's talk now about the book, Uh, Snow on the Barbed Wire, in which you and co-author Joe Valley tell your story, the wing bowl highs and then the lows that followed, including, I guess, something of a downward spiral that ultimately landed you in prison for a couple of years. So what went wrong in your life, and how did you get to such a low point?
1: Well, uh, you know, being a wingador put me on top of this mountain that I really didn't ask for. Um, but I kind of went up there, and I guess it was just too much, and I was just bombarded with a lot of attention. Uh, I was doing well financially, uh, doing a lot of events, doing TV shows, did a commercial. I decided to come out with a soft company, which did very well. Uh, you know, I, I hooked up with a food company, a food company, a million-dollar food company. I had my own chicken wing out. And uh, then, you know, I, I decided to go to, to a restaurant. And, you know, everything was doing okay. I mean, I was doing real well, and everything came crashing down when, you know, the partners in, in, the, in the restaurant, which were a family, decided to, uh, you know, stick it to me. And, you know, I, financially, I, I just took a, a spiral, a runaway train I was. I mean, I, I just... It was 2008, 2009, the economy was terrible, I don't make excuses, I just, a lot of money wasn't coming in at the time like it used to be, and, you know, I kind of panicked, and I didn't make a mistake, people say, oh, everybody makes mistakes, I said, no, 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 two plus two equals five is a mistake, what I made was a choice, I knew I was doing wrong, and I knew the consequences, but I did it anyway, to try to keep my head above water, paying my bills, and try to take care of my family. You know, and I went underground trying to make some money, and uh, everything just fell apart, and uh, I lost everything. I lost everything, and it was devastating to me. It just, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know. This, this thing just, just grew this real big monster head, and the next thing I know, I was just like, what happened? You know, like, what happened? You know, like it just. So it taught me a lot of things about myself. It taught me how to, you know, be humble no matter what. Uh, it taught me how to um, the rise above situations. You know, it's not about me. My kids, you know, my daughter, Felicia, really stuck by me. When she was 13 when all this went down. And, you know, the things she had said to me, like, you know, she was upset, you know, with me. And I was worried about her because, she, you know, she's going to school or dad's in jail or I'm all over the news. And she's like, you know what, Dad, you know, I love you, man. you like, i see seen you do so many good things for people. And you always say you got to do, sometimes good people do bad things to survive. She goes, I love you. Don't worry about it. So right there, I knew. I made a decision right there. I was still, I just got out of jail when I initially got arrested that I was going to rise above this. That um, I apologized to the public. I did a um, thing in the newspaper. And um, I said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this up. I gonna make it right You know, I owe it to a lot of people to make this right. I had to get a lot of negative out of my life, which I did. I'm working on it. I surround myself with good people now. Um, I wanted to tell the story of my life because I didn't want my kids to hear anything else but the truth from me. Um, So, you know, I kind of put it all out there. You know, the book, The Stone of Barbed Wire, is basically my, my, my life in a nutshell. If I went and elaborated on everything, I'd still be writing. You know, I wasn't a I wasn't a bad person, but I did my my share of mischief and and craziness and partying. You know what I mean? So I just said, you know what? I got to make this right. I got to make this right, and and I know that I can do this. And I and so far, man, you know, by the blessings of God, man, I, I'm I'm right on track where I need to be.
0: Well, well, hey, Bill. You mentioned early on. I, I I made a note here because I thought it was interesting that that you said that uh, you know you, you, the the big head and all kind of came and and the notoriety. But with that notoriety, I mean, I certainly understand that, especially when you it, you know a handful of times. But uh, did the did the, the sponsors and those people come to you, or is that something that kind of just uh, you build a business and? It ended up, you know, with maybe a couple bad investments. But were they after you, or were you kind of after them?
1: Well, no, I kind of, at first, they came after me. It kind of worked both ways a little bit. You know, I would put make myself available. I had a lot of different managers, you know, that, that were just out for themselves. You know, they spoke for me, and they spoke out of line. Um, but basically, I had a lot of big sponsors that paid me a lot of money um, to – you know, do different things. Um, I did a lot of events. but I did high schools, colleges, you know. Um, hold on one second. Um, I just, you know, I, I was blessed with a lot, of, a lot of good stuff. Hold on one second.
2: Yep. <laughs> Bill was driving up because, I-95, yeah, Bill was driving way. up I-95, just so you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I think there's a, I don't know if
2: that's... I can't just,
1: But, um... But, no, I, I um, you know, I, I, I had it going on, man. I I mean, I had Nantucket Nectars as a sponsor. They were giving me, you know, a lot of money. They were giving me Pearl Jam tickets, the front row. I was getting of awesome Red Sox tickets. I mean, I was just, you know, every party I went to, I was VIP. It was just, you know, I got caught up in this thing. And, you know, when I got locked up, I had to step back and really look at myself. I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, what I do is the circus act. You know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous. It, it, I mean, it's, it's it's done a lot for me, but it's it. I got caught up in the, in the negative part of it, and I, and I fell. You know, thank God that, you know, I was always good to people as a champion. I thought I I was a good champion. I was never, you know, I never stuck my nose up to anyone. You know, like, dude, I, dude, I eat chicken wings, you know? <laughs> that that's that, you know, I mean when I got arrested it was all over the news. I'm like i I'm not the I'm not the the governor of New Jersey, I'm a chicken wing champion and they're like you're a public figure. So, you know, it, it just it, it, I could tell you a lot of crazy stories, you know, I got tossed out of all you can eat, so I got yelled at by Asian people, you know, I got uh I got uh you know, I came back, it was all it was all you can eat. Uh my kids were real little and they charged them kid prices and I come back, they charge them with all prices. I'm like, what are you talking about? They said, you eat everything, you eat everything. So I said, all right. So I sat there for four hours and ate everything. So when I came back, like four, three weeks later, it's all you can eat in two and a half hours. So I'm like, oh, okay. So that taught me how to eat a little faster.
0: <laughs>
1: so, I mean, it's, it's oh, this crazy world. Just be, and You know what I tell people, listen, I'm a competitor. I like challenges and I just love to eat. So that made me a a five-time wing bowl
2: champion. So that's cool. Now, Bill, for people who don't know, you actually went into prison for cocaine distribution. And from what I read in the great piece by Carly in the Courier Post just about a month ago, uh, she gave a a great write-up about you and the book. Um, From what she wrote, you actually knew you were being followed by the cops, and yet you still went ahead and you know, we're into the the drug business. Why didn't you stop when you were tipped off? Well,
1: I, you know, it's funny because the cop did the same thing, and I said I needed the money. I needed the money. I mean, it was it was. I, I mean, at that point, you know, you're looking at a guy that used to make anywhere from three to thirty-five, th- three to four thousand dollars a week for a couple years. You know, from the the commercials, from the the events, from the sauce, I was doing well. Now, I went doing that, and I'll be honest with you, I probably made about $1,500 a week doing what I was doing. I was running it from one spot, taking it to another. And um, it was just keeping my head above water. And at the same time, I felt like I was still putting up this facade being a wingador. Like, oh, I'm doing well. I think, you know, I'm, you know, I'm doing this, i doing that. And, you know, I did spots here and there for people, but I just was financially drowning, drowning. And... Um, you know, I had gotten a phone call the morning, a Saturday morning, saying, listen, whatever you're doing, just let you know. I don't care what you're doing as a friend. Just change your phone number or something because the cops are on to you. So I went, changed my phone number, and continued as usual. And when I had gotten arrested the following week, I thanked the cops. they were like, what do you thank us for? I said, Man, I've been waiting for you. Like, I thank you. Hmm. You just lifted a big weight off my shoulder. They talked about this in the newspaper. And and I just, and they, and I said, I knew you were going to get me. I got a phone call, and they what like, why didn't you stop? I said, because I needed the money, man. I said, I, I had bills to pay. I got kids to take care of. You know, I, you know, I, have a, uh, I had, at the time, my son was sick. My daughter was 13. You know, I, I had bills to pay. I had Little League. I had basketball. I, you know, I just had to live my life. Listen, I'm not gonna lie to you. I didn't go right to that. I went. I tried jumping back to tractor trailer, but it was 2008. 2000. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. 2008 or nine is when the business went folded up. The recession killed me. I couldn't make any money. There was no work. There was no money to be made. There was nothing. And I don't justify what I did. I just, you know, I I, I just made a bad choice. And then it, it got too easy. Like, it was like, oh, that's not bad, you know. After a while, man, I was getting real Pastor. But I tell you what, man, I'm glad. I thank God every, day, every morning and every night when I pray, man, thank you. Thank you for what you put me through because it taught me how to grow and be a different person. I see things see things not expect So that, that, that helped me, man. I, listen, if I didn't do any time, if they let me out on probation and I was still hurt, I'd probably go back to doing it again. Uh, not hmm. that I would ever do it again, because I'm, I'm dead against all that now. I mean, I even think about, sometimes I go, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> you know, like, what was I thinking? Yeah. I'm, You know, I have a whole different uh, thought process now. And, uh, you know, of course, it took almost two years of prison to help, but uh, it, it is what it is, man. You know, the thing is, I wrote the book, And I got a a nice feedback on it. We're getting nice reviews on Amazon. And I even had a couple of people hit me up privately and said, listen, I do this on the side, I do this on the side, and I stopped. After I read your book, I couldn't deal with what you don't with. And you lost everything. I mean, my wife divorced me. Uh, I lost my house. I lost everything. My sauce company, I lost everything. You know, long story short, like, my wife and I are trying to work things out now. We've been together for back, for a year now. i got my family back. I'm back at my house. Everything's coming along nicely. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm just a completely different person as far as, you know, I'm all about kids family, and family and trying to work up this business we're doing. You know, trying to get, you know, sell the book. Or we're opening up a restaurant now. Actually, a string of restaurants. So i got great people on my side. Uh, thank God for Joe Valley Joe Valley's in my rock He came to visit me in prison two, you know, Twice a month He'd come there, that black eye or a broken finger I was fighting I was fighting
0: So
2: it's Yeah, a I, met Joe, I met Joe, of course I met Joe at uh, Tollman Man Joe's when I talked to you, Bill And congratulations on writing the book with him Again, it's called Snow on the Barbed Wire You've got an author's event coming up next week If I'm not mistaken, that's uh, next Thursday At the Pyramid Club, is that right?
1: Oh yeah, we're gonna be at the Pyramid Club. Meet the authors. Uh but Joe and I will be there. It's a Q and A. Actually I have be selling the book and signing the book. It's a great spot. You ever been up there? It's an amazing Never place. have, no. And you get to oh my God, you go all the way up all the way up to the top of the Pyramid Club and you're looking down at Billy Penn. And you can see the whole Delaware Valley. The place is beautiful. There's people there from all walks of life. It's a networking event. Um you know to get some food. You, you know you can get a beverage. You it and then you talk to me. <laughs> you can <could> talk to <laughs> me. There you can talk go. to Joe. I got all kinds of stories, man. Actually, you know Joe doesn't want to hear this, but I could write another book. I have so much, you know. <laughs> to, to, and I'm thinking about it, but now everybody's starting to walk on eggshells. I won't name names, but everybody. I don't like that. Nah, it's just something that I want to do because I like. You know, it seems like that I have a good story and I. Have to tell to people that can help them, you know what I mean. Like, I'm I'm just very motivated, man. I I just want to. I just have this thing where I I just want to be. a move forward. Like I, the days can't come fast enough. I, you know, I, I don't. I can't wait to get up in the morning, and I, and I hate going to bed at night because I don't want to end the day. You know, it's it's crazy how I feel. So, um, but yeah, we're we're gonna be there Thursday. Um, and, uh, actually you get your, I think there's a couple of days left to get your tickets for that, um, on a, hold on, I'm looking at my pad there while I'm driving. Yeah, so I think it's a discounted basis
2: you know. through March 3rd. It's a little cheaper before March 3rd if you get them.
1: Yeah. If you, you know, if you go, uh, through, uh, the radio station WIP, am I allowed to say that on the air?
0: Sure. Uh,
1: <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Well, you just uh, go to Eventbrite and punch in El Wingador, okay? And um, and then you'll see the information right there. But, you know, Monday, you know, I'm 55 years old, and I'm doing this show called The Great American Eat-Off. I'll be at Campo's Deli at uh, 214 Market Street on Monday at 730. I don't know. She's got this eating challenge for me, and I'm probably getting nervous about it. But I think she's going to, like, hand me or put duct tape around it or something. <laughs> I
0: don't
1: know, I don't know what she's going to do, but. I hear this is kind of, uh, you know, they eat you not. It, it, they kind of give you a handicap on how you eat these things. So I'll be there. Just so stop, stop out, stop going out, you know. Let's uh, see what we uh, have a sandwich with me. I'll do it while after I eat the challenge. I don't care. But um, <laughs> I'll stop out there. But I just listen. I do want to emphasize on something. I am bringing an Elwingador wing joint to the area. We're working on our first run. We plan on having at least 25 to 30 of them in about five, three to five years. Um, we have a great concept. I have great people on my team, professional food industry people. Um, and uh, we have an investment kit that we put together. We have investors. We're making this thing. We're going to make this thing happen. And if you want the best wings in the world, you got to come to get the L-Wing for You know, I make my Can't own wait. sauces. Yeah, so it's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. Let me ask you, you guys, you can be, be honest with me. Did you read the book yet?
2: I did no, not and, read it. I don't have I the copy to, yet, I, so. Yeah,
0: I was What's going that? to ask you, Bill. I was going to ask you, Bill, before we wrapped up. Uh, how can we get the book? How can the listeners get the book? Oh well,
1: the listeners, uh, you can go to Amazon and dot uh, com and punch in "Snow on the Barflyer Wire" um, by Bill Elway and Resnick and Joe Valley. It'll pop up. Uh, you can get it on Kindle or you can get it in paperback. And um, I guarantee when you start this book, uh, you're not going to be able to put it down. It, it's, it's, you'll read it in, in two days. It's an easy read. It's got a lot of pictures. Uh, you might even see, I don't know if there's Wing Bowl fans listening, but you might even see yourself in the book. There's a lot of pictures of Wing Bowl, a lot of people that were yeah. at Wing Bowl. So, um yeah, it's. A, do you guys have a copy? No, not no. yet.
2: Uh, not yet.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Well, we're going to have to We're gonna have to take care of that. <laughs> well, right. I'll hit Joe
2: up for I'll one. Talk. I'll talk to Joe Valley.
1: Yeah, because when you, when you read this book, you're going to want to talk to me again. I
2: guarantee you. <laughs> Let's <laughs> so, do it. I'm sure you got lots it's of stories, funny. lots of stories.
1: Well, listen, like I said, it's my diary. It's something that people are going to go, oh, my God. I mean, this, this book is going to make you laugh, it's going to make you cry, it's going to make you hungry, it's going to make you mad, it's going to make it's it's just a real roller coaster of a book. But you'll like the ending, uh, you'll like the whole book, but um, it's an amazing, amazing story. I have to be honest with you, I, I wrote half of it inside, because a lot of things were devastating me on the outside when I was in prison, just as much on the inside. And I just started writing, and I wrote for, like, 20-some days straight, and I had, like, 70-some pages of vehicle pad, both front and back, and I just read it after 20-some days, and it gave me goosebumps. I'm like, oh, my God, I got something here. So wow. that's when, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing book. And I'm not saying that because I wrote it. It's, it's just something that I, I, I'm – and I'm telling you this because of all the feedback we're getting back from it from people now on Facebook and stuff like that so, and, and Amazon. So it's good, man. Do yourself a favor and grab it. It's very entertaining. And, uh, you know, you can always send me up on Facebook if you have any questions. If you want to send me the book and I'll sign it and then I'll send it back to you, I promise. And uh, whatever, you, you know, whatever I can do for you.
0: Sounds great. All right, Bill. Well, hey, we appreciate your time. We will read the book and we will get you back. How's that sound?
1: Ah, oh, man. Thank you very much. Listen, guys, I appreciate what you did for me and putting me on and letting me talk. It made my ride a little bit better.
0: Sounds great. Thanks, well, Bill. hey, be safe on
1: 95. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that, man. Uh,
0: all right, Bill. Thanks, bud.
1: All right, man. Peace. Bye-bye. Hey.
2: Alright. Hey, do you want a great place to grab some food or have a couple of beers with your pals? I have just the place, the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, Bucks County. A cousin of mine turned me on to this place a few years ago. It's got a terrific atmosphere, daily food and drink specials, an extensive beer list, menu items from burgers and gourmet wings, Bill would like that, to filet mignon, a friendly waitstaff too, at the Rover. Barmaids, Taylor and Stacy are usually there on those occasional Thursday nights, like last week when I pop in. Be sure to check out their for sunday fun day sandwich menu the irish rover station house it's on bellevue avenue in langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com
0: all right hey Ched, uh let's slide over and let's talk a little sixers uh more bad news today as they announced that joel Embiid will be out for the rest of the season along with ben simmons where does the process go from here
2: Oh, man. It's kind of a mess. I mean, what a week, huh? Well, you know, we knew Simmons might not be there, and we were wondering about Embiid. Now, that's official. So, the process is kind of on hold. I mean, the process was meant to, you know, lose some games for a few years, but then start winning. Well, I think they really started, they wanted to start doing the winning this year, but you couldn't foresee the injuries to Simmons and Embiid once he was out there playing. or looking great for 31 games. So, it's a little uh, kink of the armor here, but I, I still think better days are ahead. So hopefully we'll get through this and get a good draft, and all will be well come this fall, I hope.
0: Yeah, I'm just not sure about that trust the process phrase quite yet. <laughs> but, hey, you had an opportunity to talk to Liberty Ballers managing editor Jake Pavorski just uh, yesterday, I believe it was. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, well, for those who maybe haven't seen Jake on Comcast Sportsnet, he's a young guy. I'm pretty sure I have sweatshirts older than he is. A young guy who's making a nice name for himself covering the Sixers for SB Nation through their Liberty Ballers website. He does a great job doing that, very knowledgeable and very well-spoken. So, yeah, it was great to talk with Jake.
0: Very good. Well, let's hear uh, you have a little little, uh, interview with him, right?
2: Let's hear it. Here we go. We're joined here on Philly Press Box Radio by the managing editor of LibertyBallers.com, which does a great job covering all the wacky goings-ons with the 76ers, Jake Pavorski. Jake, welcome. Thank you for having me. Jake, it's been an interesting week for the Sixers, to say the least. The trades of Nurlands and Ersan, the news that Ben Simmons' foot has not healed fully and he won't play this year. And now the word that Joel Embiid's left knee has not only had some swelling, but maybe a more severe meniscal tear than first spot. So he is done for the year. How concerned should Sixers fans be about Simmons and Embiid's health going forward?
3: I hope you wouldn't have to be concerned with either their health, considering the fact that both of their injuries aren't really supposed to be that serious. Embiid's injury is nothing related to his foot. Uh, it's a bone bruise and they found the torn meniscus, but either way, those are both supposed to be, you know, short-term injuries that won't affect their careers. It's possible. And has a scope at the end of the season, or maybe in the next couple of weeks. And he's cleared up and ready to go by the fall. And, Simmons, although for whatever reason is progressing slowly, Jones fractures have never really been a long term injury for players who've had them. They're pretty common injuries. And, you know, even if they do reoccur a second time, it, it doesn't seem to be an issue that prevents a player from having a nice long career. So I'm hoping that they won't be an issue. But at the same time, this whole situation has been really bizarre. I don't know, you know, where to, to point the fingers at, whether it's the medical team or the staff or ownership or something, but there's something very wacky going on here. Here. it shouldn't be an issue long term going forward but it, the way things are right now it, it's kind of hard to you know to see why things have gone this south to begin with
2: now the Sixers are shutting beat down for the season is that the right move
3: and honestly that's for the best I mean it, it was nice to see him it was great while it lasted he was absolutely incredible but he's been dealing with swelling for I guess the, at least a month now at this point they're out of the playoff picture they're pretty set on you know playing for a, a higher lottery pick Sit him down, have surgery if he needs it. Just get him relaxed and ready to go for next season because uh, this one is a wash at this point.
2: Jake, refresh my memory. What did you think of last week's trade of Nerlens Noel to the Mavs and the fact that the Sixers didn't get a whole lot in return?
3: Yeah, I didn't like it, and I think a lot of it had to do with my differing opinion on Nerlens Noel's talent uh, than what the front office felt. Because I think that him and his role with the Sixers this season, what he was doing as a backup to Joel Embiid was uh, in, in some cases when to be without a starter was phenomenal. I think he played really well. He was showing an improving offensive game. He was still as much of a involved on defense as ever before, but the jumper was coming around a bit. You saw he was bringing out the, the lefty running cloak a little bit. He was getting more comfortable His shooting percentages as high as it's ever been. And I think he should have been rewarded by the Sixers uh, with a long-term contract that, you know, should have been close to a, a max deal. He made sense as a guy to keep going with his team uh, for the next, several years especially because you don't know about Embiid's health long term and he would have been a, a really good insurance policy they had backed themselves into a corner where they had waited too, way too long to try and move him and they got nothing in return if they had moved him over the summer they probably would have got a better return and I think I would have been a little more comfortable with what they did but they let this linger for too long and low messed up I think in terms of a moving him but b also getting a really bad return
2: yeah, I agree. So for now, at least, Jaleel Okafor is the man in the middle with Rashawn Holmes backing him up. Jaw looked pretty good in the two games over the weekend and not so good in Monday night's loss to the Warriors. Is this an opportunity now for Okafor to increase his trade value ahead of the June draft, or might he still be a sixer this fall?
3: I mean, it, yes, it is an opportunity for him to increase his trade value. Do I think he will? Not really. I mean, he played you know most of his rookie season. He had starters minutes. He was logging a ton of time. And that clearly didn't do a ton for his trade value. I think people realize that his game is very antiquated, and you watch that, you know, with last night's Warriors, where he looks lost. He's not built for today's NBA game, and it's hard to throw down a lot of assets for a guy like that, where you know he's, you know, a black hole on defense and on offense. He clogs the flow a little bit. Now I will give him credit; he's fought through this hard. He's been a good trooper, and he did look good against New York. He will have games every once in a while where his, you know, his offensive talent outweighs his issues on defense but at the same time I think that we've already seen what we know from Jaleel Okafor that this is the kind of guy he is I don't think he has that much room for improvement in his all-around game and you can give him all the minutes you wanted the rest of the season I just don't know what that does to prove that the Sixers should be getting more back in return than what they were offered at the trade deadline.
2: Jake, I know you've been keeping tabs on the prospects likely to be available in the June draft. Give me a few names you'd like to see the Sixers grab, assuming they land a top-five pick.
3: Well, L. Fultz is obviously the best prospect in this draft. He's an incredibly well-rounded offensive talent, can score at all three levels from the three-point line, mid-range, around the rim. He's got an incredibly long wing stand, an excellent passer, and uh, makes incredible highlight plays, especially on the defensive end, with the chase-down blocks. He's there on the, If you get the number-one pick, you have to take him. Otherwise, uh, I've come around on Lonzo Ball a lot. I think he would be a great secondary ball handler facilitator next to Ben Simmons. His uh, his shot is very quirky, but he gets it off quick. I have very few doubts about his ability to work in the NBA. Josh Jackson from Kansas would provide the team with uh, a good wing talent. His shooting is a bit of a concern, and if you look at the formation of this team with Ben Simmons, you know the outside shooting is something they really need. I'm not entirely sure if he makes the most sense, but uh, I'll, I'll give you a sleeper guy that I think makes a ton of sense for the Sixers, and that would be Florida State's Jonathan Isaac. He's actually come on really strong lately. I think people are starting to recognize him as a top-five pick. He's a 6'10 wing. Probably more of a four naturally, but could definitely play the three for you. An incredible shooter, long arms, a tremendous rebounder. Let him grow into his body a little bit, add some muscle. I think he's going to be an absolute dominant player in the NBA. You miss out on you know the top two with Martel Fultz and, and Lonzo Ball, I would, and you're sitting at three or four, I would very much consider taking John Isaac.
2: And a couple other guys we hear uh, mentioned a lot, Dennis Smith and Malik Monk. You like those guys?
3: I do like Monk. You know, it's funny. I've never been a guy to really want players who are shooters only coming out of college. And and Monk is the definition of that. He doesn't really do too much other than shoot jumpers. But there's something about him that I absolutely love. Just his ability to score the basketball is really phenomenal and something that the Sixers team can need. And I think there's some untapped potential for his offensive game. The issue is, is concentrating and focusing his efforts on getting to the rim in a half-court set. He usually likes to settle for pull-up jumpers. I would definitely be willing to take a shot on him more towards the bottom of the lottery as opposed to the top three or five. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is a guy I've never really been a fan of, and if you think Ben Simmons is your starting point guard, then I don't really see how he fits. He's a ball-dominant guard he needs in his hands all the time. and He's an absolute slouch on defense. He's undersized. I don't think he's that strong. His burst isn't what I imagined it would be. I honestly would probably stay away from him unless somehow he ended up outside the top ten, which is not going to happen.
2: Well, let's hope the Sixers get it right. All right, Jake, before I let you go, you've played Quick Six on Comcast Sportsnet, and we do an eerily similar feature on Philly Press Box Radio called Fast Five. So you ready to jump in the hot seat? Let's do it. All right, number one, with Joel Embiid now officially done for the season, does Dario Saric now have the inside track at NBA Rookie of the Year? I'm going to say that
3: Joel Embiid, no matter what, should be Rookie of the Year. What he's done this year is absolutely phenomenal. He would be the first Rookie of the Year ever to play less than 50 games, but his talent alone has been uh, too much. Even if Embiid does not end up winning, I think Malcolm Bryden would be the favorite right now. What he's doing for Milwaukee shooting... Over 40% from three. I think over 45% from the field as well. Brings a ton for them. I think Sarge's numbers as a whole probably don't jive with what people would expect from the rookie of the year. And I don't necessarily think national guys would probably give them that vote.
2: All right. Now, as we speak, Jake, with 23 games remaining, the Sixers are 22-37. and 37. How many victories do they finish with?
3: It's going to be less than 30 i'll say 28 to 30 range actually they show a lot of fight they compete hard in every single game and i respect that but i I think we're starting to see that the challenge isn't really on this team right now with all the injuries as well as the trade of noel so i think there's going to be only a few more coming the rest of the season
2: who's going to win this year's nba title the Cavs, warriors spurs or someone else I'm going to stick with the Cavs.
3: I, I think you you look at LeBron and what he brings to that team when the playoffs come, he's absolutely locked in, that entire team is. And I think they've made you know, some really good additions. Darren Williams provides some help off the bench as a backup point guard who can take 10 to 15 minutes from Kyrie Irving when necessary. They add Andrew Bogan. There's another really good pass. There's a big man who can also protect the rim a little bit. I just think the Cavs are way too locked in when it matters the most, and I would expect them to repeat.
2: Hey, in addition to your work at Liberty Ballers, you're a studio assistant for the WIP Morning Show. Give me just a couple of words to describe Angelo Cataldi
3: enigmatic i think would be a good one you know he's just such a quite the personality and honestly i've enjoyed every moment of working with him he's been fantastic to me he's taught me a lot about the radio industry and and how to put together you know a good entertaining sports show i've learned a ton from him and i think he's a, a very outgoing enigmatic kind of person
2: and number five jake an easy one i think which andrew had a more memorable career with the sixers bynum or bogan
3: thing it's going to have to be Bynum. I think the whole saga surrounding him was one of the more wild times, at least in my lifetime, following the Sixers and covering his team. And especially because, you know, that trade led to the demise of the Doug Collins era In the beginning of the process. He's really helped shape what is going on with this team now. He uh, very easily had the more memorable era.
2: Awesome, J.K. This has been a lot of fun. Tell our listeners where we can find uh, you and your insight into all things Sixers.
3: Uh, you can find me, my writing, on LibertyBallers.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Pavorsky, last name spelled P-A-V-O-R-S-K-Y. And you can follow Liberty Ballers on Twitter at Liberty underscore Ballers.
2: Excellent. That is Jake Pavorsky of LibertyBallers.com.
0: Hey, Chet, great interview there by Jake. Uh, certainly handles himself well, knows what's going on with the Sixers, and certainly has his uh, finger on the pulse.
2: And, you know, I agreed with pretty much everything he said. Uh, I'm sure Fred will disagree. Our buddy Fred Hugo will disagree with what he said about Nerlens Noel, but that's okay. One thing I disagreed with was the rookie of the year thing. No way is Joel Embiid going to win the rookie of the year, having played only 31 games. And I'll further add that I think Sarich is now the favorite for rookie of the year, because look at the stats. Sarich averaging 11.3 points per game and 6.2 boards. Brogan from Milwaukee averaging 9.7 points per game and 4.2 assists. So, I think Savage has the uh, edge right now for rookie of the year.
0: Well, I sure hope so. He's played well, and uh, you talk about a guy that certainly has gotten better across the season. He uh, He's
2: measurably better. Oh, he is. I thought he would wear down, but he's just getting stronger. I think he's had double-doubles in four of the last five games, looking great.
0: Yep. Well, hey, uh, Chet, we have to jump over. We have to thank another one of our sponsors, ShopForKisses.org, the online shopping network of the Kisses for Kyle Foundation. By logging on to www.ShopForKisses.org's website, you become connected to over 3,000 stores, including all the big ones you already shop at. Every purchase made gets your cash back, and each purchase benefits the Kisses for Kyle Foundation, which helps families dealing with childhood cancer throughout the Delaware Valley. If you have any questions, contact Bob Sullivan at bobsullivan.shopcom, at gmail.com, or give him a call at 484-319-8043. And, hey, Chet, let's jump over to the Flyers. Uh, You know, they weren't near as active at the trade deadline as I I, I certainly expected. They traded away only veteran defenseman Mark Strait, but extended goaltender Michael Norbeth. For two years, $5 million. Has the goalie situation now taken care of itself? Norveth in, Mason out?
2: Not necessarily, Bill. Mason will likely end up leaving. I do believe that's the case. But here's the deal with Neuvert. Keep in mind, there is an expansion team coming to the NHL, Las Vegas. So the Flyers have to protect a goalie. And I think they just might protect Stolars and leave Michael Neuvert unprotected and risk losing him to Vegas. I don't think they would risk losing Stolars. So that's why they had to sign somebody, I guess, because uh, they have to leave somebody unprotected, and they certainly weren't going to leave Stolars unprotected. So I think they may have extended Neuvert just in part to perhaps lose him to Vegas. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out.
0: So are you thinking that they end up with Mason or Neuvert and end up with Stolars
2: as the man? I think it is possible. Now, I don't think they necessarily want to lose Neuvert, but they could go into uh, camp next year with both Neuvert and Stolarz as the guys. But, yeah, if they're going to lose one, it would be Neuvert, and then Stolarz and one of the younger guys down on the farm would be the goalies next year. That's what I'm thinking. Mm,
0: I'm not not sure I'm thinking that. They're going to have to get somebody in. I, I don't see them being ready to turn the keys over to Stolarz right yet. If they were, they'd have played him more than twice in the 25 games that he was up.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you're right about that. I see what you mean. And, by the way, the trade, the Flyers sent Strite to Tampa Bay. In return, they get forward Valtteri Fulpula, who had seven goals and 27 assists in 59 games this season. Uh, Valtteri will be 33 in just a couple of weeks. Uh, Strite was 39, so they did get a little younger, plus they get a fourth-round pick in the deal as well.
0: Well, I think the big question is, uh, does this get us to see that six foot seven Samuel Marin sooner or Sondheim or one of those other guys? Uh, Is it time to get one of these other young kids up there?
2: Well, it's not going to happen this season, I don't think. But uh, yeah, next fall, I think you're going to see the Flyers get a couple more younger guys up. They got, you know, the two last year. I think we're going to see a couple more coming up this fall. So, They're in the rebuilding mode right now, clearly. It looks like they're not going to make the playoffs. I know they're still theoretically in the hunt, but I just don't see it happening. So I think they're kind of rebuilding. And next year they're going to have some of those young guys up and hope for the best with the goaltending situation.
0: Well, with that said, um, because I agree with you, I think they're on the outside looking into the playoffs at this point, unless they get really hot. Um, Does that surprise you that they didn't make any more moves? Or do you think that they were a seller and and everybody knew that, so they didn't get the offers? Maybe they needed to uh, to call it a good deal.
2: Well, I heard an interview with Hextall on Comcast Sportsnet late this afternoon. and He said they were talking to some other teams. He was hoping to do another deal or two, but it didn't happen. So I think they wanted to do more, but you know sometimes things just don't play out as you had planned.
0: Yeah, well, you got to have a partner to dance with. There's there's no doubt yep. about that. All right. Well, hey, uh, unfortunately, it looks like we're going to be uh, playoff-less for the Sixers and the Flyers. Uh, but So we're going to have to jump into the Phillies, and we'll, we'll talk more about them next week. But hopefully we've got something to look for in the late spring, early summer.
2: Yeah, the Phillies are actually hitting the ball pretty well down in uh, Florida. So, you know, maybe they'll surprise us and do a little better than we had expected going into the spring training this year so yeah we'll talk a lot of phillies over the next two months in addition to the eagles because you know it is combine time and free agent signing time so we're going to talk a lot of eagles over the next few weeks too
0: yep well hey uh, since you mentioned eagles let me jump ahead a little bit i have one uh we only have time for really one quick eagles question as free agency gets ready to open up and of course as you mentioned the, the combine is in progress uh are you ready to make a splash in the free agent market and sign a high price wide receiver real quick? And if you do, that sets the tone for your whole entire draft. Where are you going with this?
2: Oh, man, you know, we know they need wide receivers as well as cornerbacks, but I don't think they're going to spend a ton of money on either of those positions in terms of free agency. For one thing, they've been burned in the past before, especially with cornerbacks. The other thing in terms of wide receivers – none of them are really that exciting. I mean, Deshaun Jackson coming back. uh, Kenny Stills is a name that a lot of people are talking about, but neither of those guys, especially with Jackson now 30 uh, are going to be like the guy, the go-to guy that fans are going to get overly excited about. So, I don't know how much they're going to be willing to spend on either of those two guys and some of the others who are out there. I don't think they're going for an Alshon Jeffrey because he would command too much money. And the problem is the Eagles just don't have a lot of money to spend right now, so they're going to have to cut some people first. I mean, whether it's a Connor Barwin or a Michael Kendricks or a Kelsey or whomever, they're going to have to make some more salary cuts if they're going to sign anybody in free agency because they do not have a whole lot of money under the cap.
0: You're right. Well, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really anxious to see how this first uh, week of free agency you know takes, takes toll here and, uh, because these, a couple of these guys are going to go early. So then it, then it drops off in a hurry. So if they don't make a move in the first few days, they'll probably not make a one, which then in my mind means they're looking more to a wide receiver in the draft, and I'm okay with that. But uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out.
2: Yeah, this is a fun time of year for football fans because there's a lot of comings and goings, and the Eagles in a lot of the past years have been pretty busy, so we'll see what happens. You
0: bet. Well, hey, Chet, it is week four of random Q2 time, so why don't you explain again to the listeners how this thing works? I am ready for your hot seat again tonight.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah, to recap, we're doing this little 10-show experiment in which... I ask Bill two little questions. The first question is a sports topic, usually something timely. The second question, truly random. It's one of 10 random questions that I've already written down weeks ago, whatever, and uh, you're going to just pick a number once we get to that point, and then we'll go with that question. But the first question is a sports question. The average Major League Baseball game last season, Bill, was three hours, five minutes. A lot of fans think that's too long. What do you think? Are the games too long? And does baseball need to do more beyond the elimination of the pitches for an intentional walk to speed up the game?
0: Well, I think they definitely do. And uh, the games are too long, no doubt. And I, I think I watched some that, uh, you know, you end up throwing. I, I think I saw one, and I actually went and looked at it. There was like 380 pitches thrown, some ridiculous amount of pitches. Um, <laughs> you know that that's a problem now whether it's adjusting the strike zone a little bit to make more balls hittable and put them in play uh that could be an option i think this uh specialty pitchers where you get a, a starter that goes five maybe six you get a new pitcher in the seventh a lefty in the eighth a righty in the eighth the lefty in the ninth a righty in the ninth um it's just too much i mean Left-handed batters didn't get to the big leagues by not being able to hit left-handed pitchers. You, you know, you got to be able to hit them. So, I would, I would limit, I think, how many pitchers you could use in, in the late innings. I mean, it's crazy to me.
2: And I'd like to see them call the high strike, which they'd never seem to call anymore. Anything above the waist is a ball. So, you know, that's not really well, a strike right. yeah. call and, and the that's, strike zone.
0: That's kind of what I was saying, too, yeah.
2: All right, now your second question, uh, you're going to pick a number from 1 to 10, excluding 1, 8, and 10, because you've used those ones already. So pick a number from 1 to 10. Let's go 2. Number 2. Ah, good one, because I'm a movie guy, and this is perfect. What is the last Uh movie you've seen in the theater?
0: Oh, well, (laughs) I probably shouldn't say Oh, uh, <laughs> just, <went, laughs> just, uh, just went to see t- about two weeks ago, whatever that uh Shades of Grayer or whatever that was called.
2: <laughs> yes, the sequel, Fifty More Shades or Fifty Shades Darker, whatever it is.
0: Whatever whatever that was called. But uh yeah. I don't want to know definitely... your
2: review. Don't don't tell me your review. I don't care.
0: <laughs> yeah, let let's just leave it at
2: interesting. <laughs> it was your wife's pick, right? <laughs>
0: oh, absolutely. There
2: you go. There you I'm go. Not a, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a
0: big movie theater guy. If you ask me which one I saw before that, I probably couldn't tell you.
2: Ah, yeah, I know. You don't get there quite as often as me, so I see like thirty or thirty-five a year in the theater. So we're a little different. No, uh, not not my favorite pastime. Gotcha. Carry on.
0: All right. We done? That was that was easy again tonight. That's Jet. it.
2: That's your two questions, man. We'll have more next week. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, hey, uh, phillypressboxradio.com, still booming. Again, we want to say thank you to each and every one of you that visits the site. We've, As we mentioned, we've added another new sponsor this week, the Irish Rover Station House joins Lou LaRoe, Taylor, and Heather, who joined us just two weeks ago. We're certainly excited about that. Of course, we want to mention Carl's Cards and Collectibles, Bob Sullivan's Sip Shop, Ship, Sip, Shop Save easy for me to say, .com. Yeah. So just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, click on each of their displays to transfer to their website, check them all out. We certainly uh, appreciate them being part of our team here.
2: Yeah, we're having fun with all of this stuff in terms of the show, the website, and we hope that our listeners are checking out the website also. It's phillypressboxradio.com.
0: Yep, we're posting good stuff every day, good articles, trying to – at least put one in there of each of the sports now because everything has got something going on, so we're trying to cover everything, but uh, Mm -hmm. also trying to come up with some neat stuff. I thought that uh, Heart of the Flyers article I was able to find this week was was outstanding.
2: Yes, I I did
0: read that. Yes, very nice. All right. All right, well, hey, Chet, we're back in the swing of things, so uh, tell us who we have lined up for next week.
2: Uh, I'm excited about this one, Bill. We had this guy, a legendary Philadelphia Flyer, on with us in August of 2015. And that was just about exactly one month before his life changed drastically, when he suffered a serious stroke. But he's fought his way back. He's doing pretty well now, was even well enough to play in that Flyers-Penguins alumni game in January. By now you know I'm talking about the great Brian Propp. We will talk about his recovery and, of course, the state of the Flyers when the proper joins us one week from tonight
0: oh that's awesome and, and you know chet i, I know uh, glad we got him because i know we tried to get him a, a time before and he just said he wasn't quite ready so if right. he's willing to come on must mean he's feeling better and uh, that's great
2: news yeah i can't wait looking forward to it
0: all right hey let's get to our signing update at carl's cards and collectibles if you wanted to meet flyers rookie star travis connect me you missed him because the signing is going on right now, probably just about wrapping up. So, uh, Travis me at Carl's Cards. Next up are private signings with Flyers legends Bobby Clark and Bernie Perrant. Carl has been able to extend the date to get your items to him for both of these guys until March 18th. That had originally been March 1st, so it's been moved a little bit, so it's March 18th. And also, just added for an in-store appearance as the baddest Broad Street bully of them all. Dave the Hammer Schultz will be in Carl's Cards. For all the details, go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com. Click on the Carl's Cards and Collectibles banner at the top to go directly to Carl's website for all the details. Or stop by Carl's Cards and Collectibles at 22 West Eagle Road in Havertown, PA. Or give Carl a call at 610-789-4996. You can also contact Carl on Twitter at Carl's Cards. Mr. Chesko, a parting shot for you today, sir?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Here we go. Uh, Bill, I know this has been an up-and-down season for the 76ers and maybe even more so for their longtime fans. We got excited about what we thought we were going to get from Ben Simmons when we saw him in the summer league last year, but then he got hurt right before the preseason and won't play a regular season game before this October. We've seen 31 games worth of Joel Embiid, finding out that he is clearly the real deal But now he's done for the season, almost certainly in need of surgery, I'm guessing. So we might not see him again until October either. The handling of the bigs this season, even when they were all healthy, was obviously mishandled. We feel like we've been misled, maybe lied to by management, and trusting the process requires a real leap of faith. I'm not sure about that whole process thing anymore. But I do remain optimistic that, assuming Embiid and Simmons do fully recover, and the Sixers get at least one high draft pick who can step right in that much better days are ahead real soon. Yeah, I'm expecting a playoff slot in 2018, mark it down.
0: Well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. We'll see. I'm uh, you know, I have not had any problem with the players and the effort the players have, have been providing each night, even in the games they lost, they're they're usually not getting blown out of those games but there's been some uh, administrative things in this organization that I certainly have not been on board with, so we will see. I'm with see. you. I'm with All you there. Right. All right, Chet. Hey, we are already at the top of the hour, so let's uh, thank our special guest, Bill L. Elwingador-Simmons. Great guest. Liberty Ballers, Jake Pavorsky also was great. Irish Rover Station House, Lou Road, Taylor & Heather, Carl's Cards & Collectibles, and shopforkisses.org for for their continuing support of the show. For Jim Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoy the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, March 8th, when Brian Prop comes to town. You can listen through our new website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Radio, or on both iTunes and Stitcher. High Hopes! Philadelphia sports fans, I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and, ourselves, and I hope we pass the audition.
1: <laughs> <laughs>